G'day and thanks for joining us for this week's Two Ticks Town Talk, a segment of the Australia Talks podcast. I'm DK. And I'm RD. Please enjoy this segment from the regular podcast. Now, two weeks ago, I spoke about the Blue Lake in Mount Gambier, South Australia, and I promised that I would revisit the town. I didn't really get enough time uh, to, to really dive into the history and the incredible geography that is the town of Mount Gambier. So that is the topic of this week's Two Text Town Talk. So a little bit of history. Before the British colonization of South Australia, the Bundadigi or Boadic people were the original Aboriginal inhabitants of the area, and they referred to the peak of the volcanic mountain as Irim Balam, meaning home of the eagle hawk. But the mountain itself was called Berin. The peak of the dormant Mount Gambier crater was first sighted in 1800 by Lieutenant James Grant from the survey brig HMS Lady Nelson, and it was named after Lord James Gambier, Admiral of the Fleet, and it was the first place named by the British in what was later to become the colony of South Australia. Now, I did mention that last time, but in 1835, Stephen Hentley led an overland expedition to explore the Mount Gambier region, and he was the first white man to climb the peak and view the Blue Crater Lake, the subject of the last, my last Two Ticks Town talk on the 6th of February. Stephen Hentley and his brothers, his six brothers, subsequently laid claim to the Mount Gambier in 1842 and established a sheep station there. Long story short, this was considered by the local Aboriginal people as a really bad idea and (laughs) conflict ensued. Um, Unfortunately, uh, a number of local Aboriginal people were killed, but the conflict did actually end up killing so many of the sheep that the Hentley brothers abandoned their sheep station. Can't have sheep station if you don't have any sheep. The post office was opened on, so fast forwarding, a bit of history. The post office was opened on the 22nd of September, 1846, and the town was incorporated in 1876. On the 9th of December, 1954, Mount Gambier was officially declared a city. As of 2021, it had a population of 26,734. So one of the bigger size of our two ticks town talks. The Mount Gambier urban area is located mainly along the northern slopes in the plain of the Mar Volcano of the same name, Mount Gambier, comprising several craters, part of, and it is part of the newer Volcanics Province complex of volcanoes, which is a volcanic field formed by the East Australia hotspot across southeastern Australia. It covers an area of 15,000 kilometres, which is 5.8 square miles, uh, sorry, 5,800 square miles, with over 400 small shield volcanoes and volcanic vents. Well, while I was investigating the East Australian hotspot, this sent me down a rabbit hole, which I can't talk about this week because there's just so much, but I'm definitely going to come back into a, in a future episode because this was also something I'd never heard about. Uh, and I think it'd be wildly interesting. Um, 
So put a pin in that. Remember, because probably the next month in a fortnight, I'll probably come back to this. So, um, but because of all this ancient volcanic activity that was going on in and around the city of Mount Gambia, there actually exists a labyrinth of caves and caverns under the city. One of which actually has an opening, uh, which is open to the public. Ingelbrecht Cave. So, a little bit of history about the cave. In 1885, Karl Ingelbrecht, a German immigrant, purchased a flour mill located nearby and converted the mill into a whiskey distillery. Sounds like my kind of guy. Ingelbrecht then decided that he would use the cave as a place to dispose of the waste from distilling. What? (laughs) The past was absolutely wild. Um... In May 1929, the land on which the cave is located was purchased by the then District Council of Mount Gambia and basically just sat dormant. And it wasn't until the 1960s that it was explored expressly for the purpose of of establishing uh, like a tourist site. And it was found that it was unsuitable for tourism as there wasn't really much to the system, mostly because... Uh, it had over 100 years worth of rubbish in it. And <laughs> in the 1980s, the cave was actually uh, uh, mostly cleaned up and a lot of the rubbish and debris was removed. Um, and as such, they realized the cave system was much more substantial than, than they had initially thought. And they, they quote-unquote, beautified the cave and it became open to the public. Uh, and over the last few years, there's been a rockfall that's blocked off access uh, at, the end of one of the, at the end of the cave. And that's actually begun to, to open up. And you've been able to see through the cracks and confirm that there is a passage on the other side. And it's possible that the cave is substantially bigger than it is currently known to be. Uh, but the big, big draw to Engelbrecht Cave is actually the cave diving. Um, oh, which is definitely not something that I would like to do. Uh, <laughs> no, thanks. I, I am a scuba diver, um, but uh, yeah, no, thanks. Cave diving. No, thanks. Uh, and look, whilst the, you can do a walking tour of the system and that takes probably about 45 minutes. Uh, most of the cave system is actually underwater. Uh, and at this point in time, divers, cave divers t- to the cave have approximately about 600 meters of cave to explore. Um, but as I said before, this actually may increase in the future. And the water is so clear that photos of the divers in the cave actually look like they're just floating in midair. Um, huh. Because you you can't even see the water basically at all. Um, and I'm going to send you a photo. Let me just grab this photo and we're going to put it in the show notes as well. Um, because it, it, it does look a bit surreal. Um, he's just, it just appears to be hovering in midair. Um, but the cave, the cave diving is, is sort of world renowned. Um, Wow, I see. Yeah, I see what you mean. Particularly, particularly as he's not blowing bubbles in that. It's just, in fact, yeah. If it wasn't, if 
it wasn't for the fact you think, oh, maybe he's just using that as a, the, the uh, viewers will see once they have a look at this picture. It's, it looks like he's got a pole that he's holding on to. Um, but, yeah, you're right. It does look like he's just suspended. Here's another one, which, again, it looks like they're floating, but you can see sort of the, the silveriness of, of uh, some air bubbles above them, which sort of reveal exactly what's going on. But um, honestly, just looking at these pictures gives me the heebie-jeebies. And oh, uh, same here, yeah. I'm not, <laughs> even though it is well lit up and everything like that, no thank you. But if you're, if you are someone that's listening to this going, Yep, I'd love to do some cave diving. Uh, <laughs> this is, uh, I've been told this is world-renowned and absolutely you should put it on your list of places to go. The beauty of it is is, is it, it's genuinely in the middle of uh, of, of the city. It's um, the, the cave system itself actually runs under uh, a number of houses uh, through through the, the local area. It, it is the entrance to the cave is on... The Princess Highway, uh, sorry, the Princess Highway, uh, which runs through the middle of, of the, the city of Mount Gambia. So it's it's not off the beaten tra- trail. It's literally on the main street, um, which just feels a bit unusual for something like this, but it is pretty cool. Now, there is also another curious little uh, public park in the middle of Mount Gambia, and it's called the Umpersen sinkhole now when most people think of a sinkhole we sort of think you know roads collapsing or houses getting sucked into the ground or or some sort of major disaster but of course we got to remember there's so much volcanic activity in and around the city of mount gambia or ancient volcanic activity i should say um that thousands of years ago a sinkhole or one of these uh volcanic vents has partially collapsed and created uh, approximately 50 by 20 meter sinkhole, kind of like a big oval. Um, And because it was so long ago, it has built up a lot of topsoil in it. And very specifically, in 1886, a local man called James Umperson uh, began planting a garden inside the sinkhole for kind of the who's who of the local area and he'd use the at the time it was called the caves but it's 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 not a cave um but he would use it for garden parties and primarily to escape the heat in summer because it is sunken down into the ground um and today it's an absolutely stunning terraced garden that is completely open to the public, completely free, and apparently it's the highest-rated TripAdvisor location in Mount Gambia. So if you're there, really interesting. If you're there, there's no excuse not to go. It's a pretty unique location in that it's basically a beautiful, almost botanical garden just sunk into the ground. Hmm. Um, and so if you are heading out to Mount Gambia, where, of course, you can see the Blue Lake, Spend some time underground, go and have a look at the cave systems that are there, and potentially in the future, those cave systems may expand significantly more than they currently are. It's interesting that it's got – your um, 
comment about it being you know, sort of so close to the the town. And I, look, I suppose in some ways, why why shouldn't it be? I suppose there's there's things closest to town, but those those are the type of things you expect to have to go you know, out of town for and check out. So that's that's interesting. It's there. That sinkhole garden sounds particularly appealing. Just when you said sinkhole, I. I had the vision that you then got onto of, you know, cars falling into it and everything. But uh, being that collapse in there and then collecting that topsoil and then with that the garden, I thought, oh, that sounds that sounds like a very interesting feature. And it's uh, it's it's interesting that somebody's actually uh, started out. What was what was the name of the bloke who who started the um uh, James Umperson. So it, it's oh, you actually just sent me that photo. Excellent. Yeah, I've just sent you a, a wide lens photo of it. Um, oh, I believe. That's I even believe. Better. Yeah, I believe it was like his personal property at the time, um, and I think he was quite a wealthy man, and he sort of built it up. And there wasn't because it wasn't uh, like a public park like it is today. Uh, there wasn't a lot of infrastructure and I think getting down into it was quite difficult. You sort of had to scale the limestone cliffs. Um, but it, it, it is sort of, when you look at the photo, it is, it is a bit of a sort of almost a natural amphitheater. And I would imagine that, and look, I don't know this, but I would imagine that, uh, it would be quite a good venue to host some sort of reasonably small local event um it's not big enough to have you know massive concerts or anything like that in there but you could definitely have some cool quite intimate little events um actually it would be perfect for a wedding or something like that i don't know if if that's available but um it it is it's truly it's it's a beautiful location um and i think it has a little bit of a microclimate in there because it is sort of down underground a little bit um but yeah it's just a cool little spot Oh, very, very much. I, it's I would it, it, I would definitely be going. Uh, well, there's two things. I would definitely be going and seeing that uh, when I go to Mount Gambia at some time in the future. And I definitely won't be going and cave diving. So <laughs> there's a definite yes and a definite definite no. That's a, oh, that's interesting. And the beauty is they're both on the same road. They're both on the Princess Highway or uh, it's also called the Jubilee Highway. They're both on them. So, you know, literally just down the road from each other. Ah, excellent. Very good. 